hey, whatever works. It's it, there's there's they try not to be judgy. No, no, of course. I'm just I'm just teasing him. Um, and you have the personality for it. So uh, okay, one, two. Welcome back, Uncharted and Eclectic. So great to have you. I have a fantastic uh, guest with us today, Emily. Emily, welcome to the show and happy Friday. Thank you. Absolutely. Emily, uh, I know you've listened to a couple of uh, episodes. We typically love to kick it off maybe with like a concise one minute intro. Uh, it could go longer if you like it to where you give the listeners some context on like your, who you are as a person, but also uh, your professional experience as well and what you're up to now. So I'll defer to you. We'd love, we'd love to have the listeners uh, learn a little more about who you are. Okay, great. One minute. Hmm. All right. Well, first of all, I am a messaging and content marketing consultant for companies that make enterprise software engineering tools. And I have been doing this for about three years. And uh, before I started working with uh, tech companies and well, with companies in general, I was a journalist. So that's sort of how I, how I came to do what I do. Um, and I live in Oregon. Uh, I live in a, a medium-sized town, I'll say, in Oregon. So I, I don't live in, like, you know, the Bay Area or a tech hub anywhere that you would generally think of as, uh, you know, really, really tech-heavy. Uh, what else? Oh, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. I'm a single mom. Uh, my husband died two months after our daughter was born. And I'm going to talk uh, a little bit more about that later. So, yeah. I like to ride my bike everywhere too. I love it. It's I, I started riding my bike everywhere. I started maybe 18 months ago. Um, and unfortunately I got in a, a pretty bad accident where I tore my PCL, but uh, I just started doing it again, like a few months later after I recovered. And it, I, I missed how, how fun it was to, uh, to go from point A to point B using uh, not a car. So uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun. Uh, the, question um i had with you uh in, in regards to just like the opening give, give the listeners some context like on how you like went into this entrepreneurship journey like when did that happen like how has the experience been what's maybe some lessons you've learned along the way give, give, give us some context on that journey yeah well first of all to be fair i haven't had uh, a, a real job quote unquote probably ever uh, so I've always been sort of some flavor of entrepreneur, but I was, um, I, I would say I was a financially unsuccessful freelance journalist. And um, basically what happened is I got pregnant. Um, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, my daughter was born and I was like, wow, I need a better way to support myself because this isn't working, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of living in poverty and working all the time. And uh, so really, and, and this is actually something I, I think you can, anybody can do who's, who's trying to figure out how to support themselves better. You know, what I did at that time is, and thought about, you know, what skills do I have? What do I, you know, what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? And then where's the overlap between those two things with something that people will pay me to do? Like pay me a little bit better than the freelance journalism that I'm doing already. And uh, writing for tech companies, 
Oh, I should also mention I, I wrote about technology. So that, that's actually relevant, obviously, because I already knew something about. So you had that as a strength, right? So like you had good contacts and everything, just as a journalist, right? Uh, yeah. Which made it the transition a little easier, do you think? Versus Definitely. like if you were to go into yeah, something you know, else. It's not like I was diving into something that like I had no idea how to do. And, uh, you know, I was already, I already had the skills. I was a good writer. Um, I understood a, a fair amount. I was an expert, but I understood a fair amount about sort of the, the landscape. But, but I had never done content marketing. Um, we're talking about like four years ago-ish. And, so, but, so that's when you made the transition into entrepreneurship about four years back. So like 2016, yep. give or take. Yep, yep. And uh, it's, it's hard to say I, you know, I made the transition to entrepreneurship. What I would say is I, I became very serious about running a business as opposed to when I was a freelance journalist, it was like, well, I'm trying to get some articles published. I, I wasn't as serious about like, no, I'm running a business and I have to you know, make money and uh, approach this whole thing as, as, as a business, which I think is very important. You know, if you are gonna go become an entrepreneur and you're really serious about doing this and supporting yourself you have to think about it as a business and what do you think uh, like how is the thought process would you say different like and do you think you learned that like back in 2016 do you think you had it before do you think you learn it maybe a few months after you got started yeah i would say that it's been sort of an evolution but I definitely didn't realize it before. So here's the, the difference is that you, you, know, you have to prioritize and, and think about how much time is this gonna take me and how much am I gonna get paid to do it? And yes, there are other factors. So the, one of the differences be like, if I was a freelance journalist before not thinking about these things, I would think, wow, you know, this is a type of work I'm really interested in doing, and this is something that I really, I'm really interested in, and, and it's a type of writing that I really want to do, and I wouldn't think about, like, oh, this is going to pay me $100, and I'm going to spend a week doing it. Um, so you have to think about that, and th I think that's really what, where the line is between I'm running a business and I'm really serious about this versus not so much. And then... For for some people that are getting started, right? Let's just assume you don't they don't have the expertise or the experiences or something that you've had in the past. If they can, would you be open to just doing it for free, right? To get some experience? Like like what would you recommend those those people? And I'm sure there's some listeners on the call, right? That they're like, hey, I want to go into maybe content marketing or sales or whatever it may be, right? But I don't have the history or the past experiences how how would you recommend them position themselves and maybe i'm like fast forwarding to what we were going to talk about later in the call but that, that's just right. something that came to mind you know if you truly have zero experience with something are you sure that that's the business that you want to pursue i think is that's that's a question to ask yourself um yes doing it for free at first can be a good technique um I, I do think that people should think about, you know, what's something that I already know I'm good at. And most people do have something that falls into that category. 
for everyone, it's going to be different. If you have truly zero experience with something, then sure, you know, do it for free, not just to see if you, not just to get the experience, but also to see if you like doing it, if, if you are good at it, in fact. So to take a step back, the, um, the steps you recommend, right, is at first, uh, it's, I call it self-awareness assessment, whatever you want to call it, right? Finding out like, hey, what is that? What are your, what are you excellent at, right? What are those strengths that you have? Not good, uh, not mediocre, like you think you're better that, uh, than the average person, right? right? And then once you have that, what happens next? What's step number two from your experience? All right. Well, the this the thing the self awareness that that you skipped over, which I think is important, is making sure that that overlaps with something that people are willing to pay you for. Got and it. Uh, yeah, um, it's a good distinction. Absolutely, you can be good at something, but if if no one's willing to pay for it, right? There's no value, right? right. Unless you. We all have things that we like to do, and it, it, and even think about is, are, are people willing to pay me enough for this? You know, there's some things that we're good at and we like to do and people will pay us for it, but maybe they won't pay very much for it. And if, if that's something that, that you really enjoy doing, then it might be worth it. It might be worth it, worth it to make less money and do, you know, having a business around that thing, but you should be aware of that trade-off and then not later say, oh, you know, I'm only making, you know, not so much money well, that's because you chose to do something that you know is less lucrative. It's a totally fair decision, but it's something that should be, you should make consciously. It's a trade-off, right? Yeah. Uh, so 100%. So that's step number one. Where do we go from there? Right. Um, and this can be a little bit challenging. I think there's both mindset and like practical steps. So when you first sort of hang your shingle out, the, it can be really scary for people because you have to, you're, first of all, you're almost by definition doing something that you haven't done before. Because even if you are advertising a skill set that you already have that you maybe have worked in a company for a decade doing, you've never advertised this as you know, your own business. And that can be really scary for people. So you have, there's this sort of mindset hump that you have to get over. I also recommend finding some sort of mentorship community. Yeah. That was really helpful for me. And I think it can be helpful for a lot of people. Basically, you are not the first person who has ever gone out and started your own business. And there's all sorts of things you can do right. And there's all sorts of things you can do wrong. And wouldn't it be great if you could get kind of a roadmap and try to av avoid some of the wrong turns? Uh, you can. Um, but finding some sort of group or mentor, I think, can be really important. Yeah, 100%. What, uh, how did you go about doing it? Sometimes I think when people share their actual personal story, like it motivates others to kind of learn how they kind of navigate it, the left turns and the right turns. Uh, yeah. How did you do those things and just your personal experience? Yeah, so I uh, worked with a woman called Carol Tice, who uh, runs a website called Make a Living Writing. And that was, that was how I started out. I would describe my own marketing technique as uh, shout it from the rooftops. That's a technical term. Um, but basically you tell everybody and you try to sort of like reach out to everybody who makes sense to, to reach out to. 
So like I put a message on a local startup board, I did cold calls, I sent cold emails, I told people that I knew in my life, I don't think I ever got, a, no, this is not true, I did. I, I once got a, a client from somebody that I know. So you tried everything. It's uh, in the early days sometimes, right? When we have, uh, when I've worked for startups, we're like, hey, we gotta do whatever it takes to just find out what sticks. It, was that kind of the model that you followed as well? Yep. And I, I want to add that at first, it will feel like you are making no progress. So compared to a lot of people, I think I've actually made tons of, of progress and like that I kicked my business off really fast and, um, you know, was supporting myself really fairly quickly. But at the time, in like the first three months, I was like, oh my God, this is never going to work. I'm just like, you know, sending messages out to the dead air. So, you know, don't get discouraged in like the first month or two. You probably not see a payoff quite that quickly. And then what was the channel that you're like, because at some point, right, once you start seeing patterns, you're like, hey, this is the channel that I'm going to double down on. Did you have uh, like some, like a awakening, like similar? Yep. Yeah, for, for me, the thing that I first started doing more of was sending cold emails. Um, and I got really good about figuring out who my buyer was and what their, you know, what types of companies, what type of job title was going to be my buyer and sending them an email. Later, I started using LinkedIn. Now I pretty much only use LinkedIn. Um, and then another thing, of course, that's really important is to figure out, uh, you know, to specialize in something. So as I mentioned, I specialize now in working for uh, software engineering tool companies. Not everybody specializes in no, I do. It's, it's different for everybody. But no, I, I, I love that. So um, how did you, I, I, I'm assuming, I'm fast forwarding here, but I'm assuming you started seeing a pattern after you started working with a lot of these companies and you're like, wow, this is a, this is an area that like a lot of companies need help with. Is that kind of what happened or did it come from your time as a journalist? Like, I'm just curious, like when that eye opening experience happened that you're like, wow, this is, this is something across like the industry in like engineering led or tech led products that they need help with content? Mm. Well, first of all, almost all companies need help with content. <laughs> They're not just engineering-led companies. Very true. <laughs> it, it, it was more like I recognized from some of the work I had done as a journalist that this was, uh, this was a niche that uh, I was pretty good at understanding that I, thought, that I think, think is interesting. And then also that not a very many writers are, are interested in. So it. It, that, that does make it easier for me to get work, honestly, because um, there's not a ton of writers out there who are like, well, I really want to write about software engineering. <laughs> sure, sure. So it's, uh, it's, it goes back kind of full circle, right, to what you were talking about in step number one. Like, yep. not only is it, am I, am, do, would I, will I enjoy it, which that box is checked, but if anything, now the candidate pool or the optionality of who your buyer has is less, which kind of increases your chances as well. So brilliant. Um, 
how do you specifically help companies? I'm sure there's listeners that we have on the call that they either run organizations uh, that are similar to the, the clients that you help or they work part of that organization. So uh, what are like, I guess the question I'm trying to ask, what are like some of the common themes that you usually see that they need help with? And the ones that you've been able to kind of really help, like what is it that you've been able to do for them? Yeah. So first of all, I don't do just writing anymore. Um, and this goes back to the sort of idea of constantly tweaking your, your business and growing as well. So I do a lot of messaging consulting as well. And what that means is helping companies use the right language to reach their customers. Basically, you know, even if you have a consulting business of one person like me, or if you, you know, a, a giant company selling a piece of software, you need to be on the same page using the same language as your, as your buyer. And some of my clients, uh, and this is fairly common, particularly for, for tech-led companies, is they get really hung up on the features of their product. And that's not always what the, their buyer is looking for. Sometimes their buyer, well, usually their buyer is looking for um, help with a specific pain point, or they're really they're looking for a business value. So basically, I help uh, these companies translate all of the super awesome features that they have into more value-focused language. And, and you do that through across all channels, like I'm assuming their pricing page, uh, blog posts and everything, or is it like- Yep, yeah. So I actually will create, create a document that then can be shared throughout the entire company. So, um, you know, the goal is that this isn't just about, you know, having the right message in one blog post. It's about when the salesperson calls somebody up instead of taking 25 minutes to explain what it is that the software is going to do for you. It takes, you know, two sentences and the buyer's like, oh yeah, I, I understand. It. And then they can get into the details of whether or not this solution is exactly right. But you just, you want to pare down the, the time it takes for somebody to understand what it is that you're doing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And what I love about this is I can't tell you how many companies I've been working at where the engineering person explains what we do differently than the salesperson. So that alignment sometimes is a huge benefit for the company because then you're turning every person into an army for, for better or worse uh, as a word choice uh, that is really align on what the company does, which makes it, I think, easier to accelerate and go to market. Uh, when do you think it's appropriate to do that? And, and why, why I ask that sometimes in the early stage company, right? It's almost like the journey that you're going on, which is we consistently have to kind of find out like, hey, what is the value? What is my offering that needs to change? So like sometimes every three months or six months or a year, like that messaging and that positioning changes. So where have you seen it be at least the sweet spot to start thinking about these things? Yeah, so messaging being slightly different from positioning, messaging is kind of like slightly downstream from positioning. Um, I would say there's not really any time when you shouldn't be thinking about your messaging because it's always important to communicate in terms of value instead of features. So that I would say, you know, at any moment in, in a company's life, you should be thinking about that. In terms of when it would make sense, you know, to hire somebody like me, uh, probably not at the very, very beginning. 
it probably makes sense once you have like one or two customers, mostly because those customers can be really good sources and to, to figure out what your customers actually think and how they actually talk. So once you have a, you know, it doesn't have to meet tons, but like one or two customers that, that are actually like have some, have a, a small amount of history with the service or product, that's when I'd say it really makes sense. Awesome. And uh, would, would you be open to sharing like one specific example of how you've helped the client, like in like the specific of that? Would you be okay with that? Um, hmm. Let me try to think of a good example. And no problem if, if it doesn't make sense. I, I wanna. I'm, I'm, I might, I might punt on, on this one. Yeah. Um, I can definitely think of, of one case and I'm, I'm just, I, I want to be super vague because I'm not sure how <laughs> how comfortable this client would be if I. A hundred percent. That's yeah. I'm, I'm a consultant. Yeah. Um, but I I can think of one uh, one client where they were they had this uh, you know a very technical product like everyone, and I spoke with their a customer who was like absolutely a you know one of their biggest fans, and I spoke with the CEO of this company, and they weren't talking about the same things. So the CEO was talking about, um, he, he liked to talk a lot about cluster management and cluster sprawl. So basically like fa fairly technical considerations. The customer was talking about like a, a hiring problem. Huh. I, I need this tool because I can't hire enough people to do it yeah. without this tool that was this customer's problem yeah and but that wasn't addressed at all in this com in this company's messaging and so what i did is created a you know basically made that translation so that now when my client is when their salespeople are talking to customers they they know that you know we should address like hey do you have trouble hiring devops engineers yeah yep. if yes this tool will make it possible for a fewer number or a smaller number of DevOps engineers to do the same work. Yep. It's, uh, it, uh, what I love about this, right, is it, I'm just, my head goes like, if I'm, it, like, I think of actually like, like Salesforce, right? If you think about it, Salesforce, uh, no matter what organization, like if you're like a 10 person company, the cost for Salesforce to manage that is probably like, I don't know, a couple dollars, sometimes maybe as much as a hundred bucks a month. But they're able to charge so much more because of the problem that they've been able to kind of promote that they solve, right? So anytime you can do that, it, I think it's, it's magical. And it goes back to your point, right? It's always bring up the, like, what is that concrete value that you're able to provide? Is it peace of mind? Is it additional revenue? Is it savings? Like whatever it is, right? And it goes back to kind of the point you just illustrated, which I love. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to ask, because sometimes on the other end, like I interchangeably use it. And I had Chris Pani on the, on the call where she's like, no, no, those things are different. And now you're calling me out on it. What's the difference between positioning and messaging? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. So messaging is all about language. And um, basically I, I'm a language person. So my, my other, my other interest is linguistics. i studied a bunch of foreign languages and um, anyway so I'm a language person I'm a writer um, 
So messaging is about choosing the right vocabulary, basically. And yes, it touches more than just your marketing department, but that's that's sort of the the core function of messaging is to um, choose choose the correct language. Positioning um, is and and messaging sort of flows from positioning. Um, positioning is something that may or may not happen in in a marketing department, but it's it's a little bit higher up. It really touches the the rest of the company, not just marketing. And positioning is really about figuring out where you want to be in a marketplace and how you want your customers and every and even your competitors to to think about you. So like positioning is thinking about who who are the correct competitors for us to be comparing ourselves to? What is a customer comparing us, us to? Um, and messaging is a big part of that because you have to translate the positioning into, into the right message, otherwise it gets totally lost. Um, but positioning can also like have a pretty big impact on your product roadmap, for example. Yep. Got it. Got it. Got it. It's uh, messaging for the most part, I think covers everybody right uh, across the organization. Whereas positioning in my experience is usually like more of a sales and uh, like go to market teams usually focus on it, but it also impacts in product led organizations, the product as well. Right. So mm -hmm. it's a, uh, it's a great distinction. Uh, Emily, this has been a fantastic, I think episode. I've learned a lot. Uh, before we say our goodbyes, I usually love to ask two questions. And, and the first being, uh, before you started this journey, what is one thing that you wish uh, the more wiser uh, Emily could tell the younger Emily? And this could be before the entrepreneurship journey or before you even uh, were a journalist. Like, but what is that one thing that you wish you had known? Um, I would say, uh, you know, some version of just do it. Uh, I think before, uh, you know, particularly before my husband died, I think I, I let myself be uh, held back by fear a lot, like fear that I was going to look bad or, and I, I'm not the only one, you know, like people hate making cold calls because they fear that they're going to sound stupid um, or that someone's going to hang up on them. Um, so yeah, I guess I would just say like, don't let fear hold you back. Yep. Sometimes you got to take action, right. To learn versus think, 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 especially, um, if it's your first time or second time, like it's just, I think it's easier sometimes to keep moving. Um, yeah. I think uh, it's, it's really useful to think about like worst case scenarios. Like what is the worst case scenario for a cold call? It's getting hung, hung up on like, that's not that bad. Yeah, not, not at all. Uh, it's, we, we both, I'm sure, have had our days, right? Going through it, getting rejected stuff, but it's part of the journey, right? Uh, right you got to exactly. get sometimes 89 no's to get that 90 if yes. So, uh, and then my other question is, and it's a tough one, so take your time. Um, what is one thing that you believe to be true that you think a majority of people would probably disagree with you on? Hmm. Interesting. Well, I kind of want to say something about entrepreneurship. I don't know if most people would disagree with me about this, um, but 
I think that entrepreneurship is a way out of poverty. And I think it's possibly more so than education. It, I, I, I would bet a lot of people will disagree with you on that. Otherwise, oh, uh, with <laughs> unemployment, <laughs> unemployment rates that uh, they are where they're at, I think we would probably see that go maybe potentially lower, right? If people did align and agree and had that honed in. So uh, yeah. now that I've gotten wiser and older, I wish someone much older than me had said that when I was 18 or 17 or something. So thanks for sharing. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Emily, uh, what would be the best way? So you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Emily O'Meer. Um, my company is called Full Stack Content. And uh, I also have a podcast that's called The Business of Cloud Native. Amazing. Awesome. And, and who's, uh, who's a good target audience for the podcast? The target audience is for people who are interested in cloud native technologies. So uh, that's often, you know, VP of engineering types who are on the cloud native journey at some point in their, in a larger organization, or it's practitioners, or it's people who are working at companies, you know, working at the, the types of companies that I work with uh, who are making tools for cloud native technologies. Yeah, totally understand. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for sharing your story as well as uh, your wisdom. And uh, listeners, thank you also for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you. That was great. I don't know what you think, but I thought that was fun. Oh, I, I thought it was great. Thank Good. you so much. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure. I'll probably edit it tonight and I'll probably release it. My guess would be sometime Wednesday uh, okay. if I can get to it. So. Cool. Uh, I will just keep my eyes out. Yeah. Thanks again. Anything you can do to promote, we appreciate it. If not, no, no need at all. Uh, all right. Well. I, I will definitely do something. Cool. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. Bye -bye. All right. You too. Take care.